Hello and welcome to the Conscious Leadership Podcast. My name is Julie Hoglin and I am the creator and founder. This podcast covers every aspect of conscious leadership and the Conscious Leadership Code. And if there is a particular example or angle or subject you would like an episode on, please reach out and let me know and I will create it specifically for you. A major aspect of conscious leadership is understanding why you make the decisions you make and then how you come to make the decisions that you make. From your conscious to your unconscious and from your unconscious to your conscious, from your gut to your brain and from your brain to your gut, including or excluding the heart, emotions and feelings. And there are so many things, things being a technical word for me, that impact how we make our decisions. The knowledge we have, the wisdom we have, whether it be generational, ancestral, learned yesterday, there are so many reasons about how we effectively make decisions. And I thought I would do a couple of episodes on the podcast for you to listen to, linked to this. And I'm also going to do, or there is a series of articles on my website. So juliehogbin.com, if you actually want to read um, about decision making. So I'm catering for both options if you want to read it and if you want to listen to it, which of course is good learning. So let's have a look initially. There's going to be probably be four articles in this series, and that may relate to one or two, maybe three episodes on the podcast. So this is the first one. And this one around decision making is when groups of people need to come to a decision. Now, I've written this basically linked to business. And of course, everything that I talk about relates to business and life. So if you've got a group of people who need to come to a decision, regardless of who they are, it could be your family, could be a group of friends. There are methods, there are processes, there are systems that you can utilize to come to an effective decision. And of course, when you're in business, this is vitally important because Come into a decision. If you come to the decision in the right way, the team buy into it. If you come to a decision in an inappropriate way or the wrong way, for want of a better phrase, the team don't buy into it. So this is linked into change. This is linked into progress. This is linked into anything you want to link it to in reality. So let's have a look at this. Um, and I and I really want to say at this point that the choice of decision making process can often depend on the nature of the decision. It can depend on the size of the group. It can depend on the time constraints that you have. And it can also depend on the level of consensus required. Now, dependent on the power play within your business, within your group, you might not need consensus. You might just make the decision. And of course, that's a decision that you can make. Everything we do, every decision we have, every decision we make, every decision we are part of um, or we are 
exposed to has an impact. So let's just have a look at some of these common approaches. So number one, informal discussion. And this involves, this involves open conversations among group members and it allows everyone to express their opinions and perspectives. And this method can lack structure and it can be useful for smaller groups or when time is limited. Now, of course, when we do the informal discussion route, not everybody may express their views. So think about the group you are in. Number two, voting. And this is really common. Is to hold a vote where each member has an equal say. And this can be done through various methods, you know, show of hands, hands up. It can be done through a secret ballot. So nobody knows who votes. So with hands up, everybody sees who votes. With a secret ballot, nobody sees who votes because it's secret. Um, and of course, it can be done through electronic voting. So you can do a poll. Now, of course, polls can be um, secret or open. Voting is effective when there is a clear majority preference. And to agree a voting structure, you will need to agree in advance the percentage of votes required to pass a decision, either by a percentage or by a quorum number. Number three, consensus building. And when you use this method, it aims to achieve a decision that everyone in the group can agree upon. It involves open dialogue, it involves active listening and a willingness to compromise and consensus building. It can take more time, but what it does lead to is a higher satisfaction and ownership of the decision. Now, I worked in a, as a partner in a learning and development firm where this is how we used to make decisions. And at the, at the greatest number, there were 14 partners who would all actively be involved in consensus building to make the decisions. And sometimes those decisions could take half a day or a day. We would sometimes reconvene um, and come back. And generally speaking, the decision that was arrived at had the absolute 100% agreement of the whole team. Um, it's an interesting process. Actually, I'm saying, I just heard myself say, generally speaking, we didn't make the decision until everybody agreed. So there was a lot of give and take. There was a lot of compromise. There was a lot of expressions of opinions. It's a really powerful process to do and it can take time. And at the end of it, everybody buys into the decision. So number four, expert or leader decision. Um, and in some situations, a designated expert of the subject matter or leader of the subject matter makes a decision based on their knowledge, their experience and or their authority level. Um, why would you use this? Because time could be limited. And sometimes this is used when there is a clear hierarchy in the group. So this can be a power decision process. Number five, deliberative decision making. And this method involves structured discussions where group members engage in thoughtful and informed dialogue. Now, dialogue means two-way. 
So this is not a one way to you. It's a process two way. And it can encourage the exploration of different viewpoints. This is where critical thinking and the evaluation of evidence comes into play. And it can be really useful for complex or controversial issues. Number six, facilitation techniques. You can get an external body in to guide the decision-making process. So they hear what's being said from every party. They can um, express what they hear. They can summarise and paraphrase what's being expressed. They can pick up on the things that maybe the participants can't or won't. And when it's a facilitation, it ensures that all voices are heard. Um, It will ensure that discussions are focused and that the conflicts, if there are any, are managed effectively. So it can create a productive and inclusive environment for decision making. So a facilitator, when they notice that somebody isn't sharing or saying, they can bring that person in and the person that is saying potentially too much, they can quieten them down. Works really well, especially when there is a controversy, I suppose, or the team isn't maybe getting on. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good option, and I do this for teams. In fact, I did one last week, and it worked really well. And then number seven, formal decision analysis. So this approach involves using quantitative methods, data analysis, and decision making models to evaluate options and their potential outcomes. Um, And this one can be really useful for complex decisions with multiple variables and uncertainties. So this is a real process. Now, these are just some of the um, options available. They're the main ones, I think, um, from the research that I've done, from the models that I've used, from how I have worked throughout my life and career you know, how it works with, um, you know, families and businesses. This also semi-links into um, the negotiation techniques. I'll do another one on that, which is around arbitration, mediation, or negotiation. And again, when we're not really clear about what we are doing, we can use varying techniques and get them a little bit slightly mixed up Um, for want of a better phrase, which can blurry the process that we're following. Now, on this session, I'm going to also talk about quorums in decision-making because they do have a role and they have a significant role. And quorums can play a crucial role in your decision-making process. Um, Quorums are used within government, they're used within board of trustees, they're used within businesses, they're used within partnerships, um, committees, assemblies. And basically what a quorum is, is a minimum number of members required to be present for a meeting which is then allowed to proceed and make valid decisions. So with a quorum, if you don't have a quorum attending, very often the meeting cannot go ahead, let alone even the decision-making process. 
So let's just have a quick look at quorums and how they typically work. So you have to initially determine the quorum. Um, and this is the quorum requirement is outlined and it's outlined generally in the groups bylaws. This is old rules or governing documents. And it needs to be a fixed member or a percentage of the total membership. So as an example, a quorum could be defined as at least two thirds of the members or a minimum of 50% plus one. So it takes you over that 50-50, if you like, um, block. Number two, attendance check. And I've sort of semi-mentioned this, but before commencing any official business or decision making, the meeting chair or facilitator confirms the presence of the required number of members to establish a quorum. And if the quorum isn't met, so the number, the percentage, the meeting may be postponed or adjourned until a sufficient number of members are present. Number three, decision-making authority. Once the quorum's established, the meeting has the authority to make decisions and to take actions on behalf of the group. So without a quorum, any decisions made may be considered invalid or non-binding. Number four, voting and decision-making. After the quorum is confirmed, discussions and voting on agenda items can proceed. And number five, recording and documentation. The decisions made during the meeting are typically recorded in meeting minutes or other official documentation. And this includes noting the establishment of a quorum at the beginning of the meeting. It is really important if you're using quorum as a process for decision making that it is recorded and documented ad infinitum because this is part of the audit trail. And what quorums do, um, they serve as a safeguard, ensuring that decision making decisions made are made by the representative number of members. And what this does is prevents a small subset of individuals from making choices that might not reflect, reflect the collective will or interests of the entire group. Now, of course, with quorums, people have to attend. And the thing is with quorums, and I have seen this in reality, people attend and make a vote, which is then complained about by others who don't attend. Well, when, when you operate with a quorum, those that don't attend know that their process is a quorum. So by not attending, they don't then have the right to complain as long as they are informed of the meeting and they have, you know, been given the relevant documents. So with a quorum, it's very much a personal responsibility for the participants to attend the meeting, to be party to the, the discussions and the decisions. Again, if you want to reach out for, to me about any of this, please do. And again, the articles will be on the website, juliehogbin.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Conscious Leadership Podcast. And if you have found it useful, please leave a review. And if you have found it useful, please share it with others that will find it useful as well. If you want to know more about my publishing, please 
follow me through to the Amazon author page. And if you would like to follow me on any of my other social media channels, please do, which also includes a YouTube channel.